0: Welcome to all of our two- and four-legged friends. Welcome back to What the Bark, the Right podcast. We're really excited today. We've got another fantastic breeder joining us to talk all about socialization. Uh, But before we introduce her, of course, got to give a shout out and welcome to Genetic George. George, how are you today?
1: Hi, Nathan. I'm well, thank you. I think think next podcast, I might do the intro, Nathan, and I'll introduce you. I I, I I love love that. that. Yeah, so I'm doing well. As you know, I like to give everyone a little weather update down here in Melbourne. It's sort of 32, muggy, and storms coming. Gosh. I can go hear them out there.
0: Everyone in Melbourne must be struggling with that heat. I feel like it's like tens teens every uh, every week down there.
1: Oh, got Mary, the, the Griffin, who struggles just panting up and down, she does. And then, you know, yeah, everyone struggles, pets included. But look, enough about us. Absolutely, we've got our first guest on, and you mentioned that I'm excited because this is our first guest from Tasmania.
0: Exactly, we're just we're going down the eastern seaboard, and we're down into Launceston. We haven't even done Western Australia or South Australia
1: yet. We've done Tassie ahead of those other two states.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, I'm I'm very excited, and and you know, without further ado, let's let's welcome Erica Erica Davison from Blacklash Cavaliers. Welcome, Erica, to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much. Good to be here
1: welcome erica and you know i'm gonna say erica we don't usually do visual and it doesn't do justice to what erica's got set up here nathan if you can have a look this is just
0: it's a beautiful bright collage of ribbons that are adorning the wall behind erica
1: yeah she's (laughs) obviously spent weeks getting this set up to look just looks fantastic erica the colors the ribbons and you know yourself as well but really well done most people have books novels they've read haven't they nathan you know oh, reference books <laughs> okay maybe next time we have one of the books part,
0: but we'll lovely have, we'll to have, have you books
2: behind me next time. okay <laughs> thank you
0: uh, but i'm sure erica amassed over a, a fantastic career as a breeder and as and showing dogs as well so why don't you tell us a, yeah a, a little bit about yourself your your journey as a breeder and yeah how you how you got started in the dog world
2: had a bit of a potted history. I did grow up with dogs, so from a very much a dog loving family. I wasn't from a show family or a breeding family, but just, we had we always had pet dogs, uh, and we always had purebred dogs. Um, interestingly, um, and the breeds always changed. So I did grow up with a wide variety of different dogs. Not not cavaliers. Um, I always loved cavaliers, even as a child. Um, but I didn't own my first cavalier until I oh, was much. much many years later. Um, and it actually came to me from the rescue world. Um, so this is going back over 20 years ago and he was an adult dog. He was a private rescue. He was, um, lovely in terms of his, um, look, his, his, his manner, his temperament. Um, But he was very unhealthy and he was um, super anxious and had a lot of um, issues, mental health issues and physical issues. And we worked hard with him um, until he died. He died at nine, which, you know, um, yeah people but but people people will tell you that's an average age for a cavalier gosh i I was i was mortified we were devastated by his death but what it did for me and i i I talk about this on my website it, it it started something for me that uh set me on the path that I'm on now and that was to initially was to go out and find a breeder who was breeding health, healthy cavaliers yeah, yeah. um not just healthy physically but healthy mentally and to me well, so, two can, things just, go...
1: sorry mentally what is yeah. that something i've always thought the cavalier temperament wise was you know really quite calm, well adjusted gentle yeah well adjusted yeah Cla- look uh,
2: it should be um I'm not going to say it is because in some Cavalier, it's actually not. I need to be honest about it. And I think that I would like to see more breeders being honest about it. Not all dogs are the same. Not all breeds are the same. Not all dogs within the breed are the same. We have a standard, we have types, you know, Mm -hmm. and and there's a general, you know, yes, Cavaliers are generally friendly and happy and, and have great temperaments. And that's why they make fantastic pets. But sadly. And this is where socialisation comes into it. They're not born socialised. And what I see and what I saw in my rescue work, not just with one dog, I was actually, um, I I did a lot of shelter work and private foster work. Um, So I've seen lots of different dogs, including cavaliers, in different settings, different situations, from different environments. Some of them were purebred dogs, some of them were from backyard breeders or unregistered breeders and what has come through to me, and I see it still in show dogs who, and some of them are from, in inverted commas, good breeders, dogs who are anxious, dogs who have separation anxiety, dogs who are aggressive. There are cavaliers, there are, cav- the cavaliers, there are a lot of, um, I think that there's a um, high, high number of cavaliers with resource guarding issues which is where they guard um, especially food but it can be places or people or things so wow
1: you've just changed my whole there are lots of there there are
2: lots of threads to that it's not an easy answer that they're they're, (laughs) cavaliers like any dog are not a cardboard cutout they (laughs) are you know they are affected by their environment they're affected by how they're raised of course genetics plays a massive Mm -hmm. role as well but but what I want to talk about in terms of socialization is how we can affect how they turn out, especially yes. with puppies. Yeah. And
1: Erica, so you made as a, as well. a very important point, but one that I always say when people ring me up and they're worried about this, you know, genetic hereditary condition or this. And I said, Listen, 98% of what you breed is someone's pet. Mm-hmm i don't really yeah. give a damn if it's a carrier of this or whatever if it's got a lousy yeah, temperament absolutely. and can't make a good mm. a good pet then what's the yeah. what's the who cares no, about no there's no
2: point no point absolutely that's you exactly know, right 98 and, 98%, and not, even
1: not two percent the majority of what you breed is so if you've got a dog absolutely. and as soon as you switch and, on and a dishwasher even, and and
2: that's right and and also um even you know from a show from a a a breeder perspective and breeding um, puppies that end up in the show ring and become breeding dogs, those dogs, I mean, we don't keep them all, of course, we can't keep them all. Um, Some dogs end up being um, placed in pet homes when they're retired from the show ring or retired from breeding. Not all dogs turn out to be, you know, very few dogs are high winning dogs. I mean, um, Mm. some dogs might only have a show career as a puppy. And then, you know, because we're continually assessing them in terms of how they grow and how they develop, that can change. And sometimes we pull dogs out of the show ring or out of the breeding program for all sorts of reasons. And that might be, you know, health tests we don't like, or they don't like the show ring or, you know, all sorts of other things. And so, You know, it's not just the puppies we breed that go to pet homes. It can also be adult dogs, as I said, in yeah. retirement or for all sorts of reasons, where they don't work out as a show or breeding dog. And I think, f- from my perspective, I've always bred dogs the kind of dogs that I like to live with and yes, uh, the yeah. kind of dogs exactly. that I yes. like to have in my home. And and so when I and and so what I do with my dog, you know, other people reap the benefits of it because other people like that too. Of course, people like socialized, happy, well-adjusted dogs. Who wants to live with a lunatic dog? I mean, I've had <laughs> plenty of lunatic dogs, you know. There are lots of dogs out there who who are really quite insane and yeah, they're and hard to live with. Um, Erica,
1: you know, and, they I mean, usually, they, they do say that the dog reflects the personality of the owner. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just really here, you saying what you're saying is a lot of my customers are lunatics. I couldn't agree with Absolutely. you more. It's <laughs> yeah. it, 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 right. it, it, It's interesting. I, I, I love it. I mean, it, it, there that maybe it was because, you know, around about 2012 they became a very, very popular dog. They started to sort of make it into the top twenty. Before that, they weren't yeah, that yeah. popular. Yeah. And then yeah, bang, in 2012, it. they became popular. And there's probably the only dog I know that I do see. If there's there's two of them. Usually someone's got two cavaliers, not one. <laughs> they come in pairs. Yeah, they come in that's pairs. Common.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's actually. What do you, what common. Do you think that is? It's well look i i have i I have mixed feelings about that because when puppy owners come to me and they they not all the time but sometimes they say, "Oh, we'd like two puppies at the same time, I always talk them out of it, and the reason is not because I don't want them to have two dogs I mean having two dogs is wonderful, but what I say to them is Raising puppies is hard work. If you do it properly and you invest the time in their early weeks and months of life, it's it's hugely time consuming. And to do it properly, you need to be on top of their training, their socialization, and to raise two at the same time. And I've done it a number of times because I've sometimes kept two puppies from the same litter while I was making a decision. It's hard work. And I think, um, what I I think is better is for people to raise and train one puppy first, and then when the puppy is older, preferably an adult, so I would say over 12 months at least, so that their training is in place, their their socialisation is, you know, they're still just doing little bits and pieces and taking the dog out, but the the, the bulk of that early work is done, then add a second dog to the household or Mm -hmm. uh, look for another puppy. And I'm more than happy to... To, to place a, 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 another puppy, but I would say get it from another litter um, or get it from another breeder or whatever. You know, there are, um, so it's not that I'm against people having two dogs, but I okay. definitely say get them at different times. Yeah. Um, and certainly I would not recommend getting um, puppies from the same litter at, at the same age, because there are other issues that can arise down the track in terms of, how they interact with Mm. each other
0: competitiveness
2: yeah competitiveness um uh, another thing that stems to anxiety there's a there's a a thing called sibling rivalry which can end up being you know where, where the dogs at some stages they're maturing uh can end up um not being best buddies anymore but actually starting to either become anxious um around each other or when they're separated from each other because they bond very tightly to each other so they need to actually be raised independently which kind of defeats the purpose of getting two at the same time but you know what i've done when i've had two at the same time is i've done a lot of work with the puppies individually Mm -hmm. so that when they are separated down the track They're not worried about being away from each other. They're independent. And once again, you know, they're mentally well-adjusted and they can move on in the world happily without each other. And that's something that I don't think a lot of um, pet owners understand. And Mm.
1: So, Nathan, I think I've done well. I've got two different (laughs) breeds completely. Different ages. I've got a a pensioner. Who's sort of at that twelve year age, and I've got one at four four years of age. So I I think done well, George. I think that's.
2: I think you've done very well. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Look at it. It's it's definitely hard work, but yeah, um, yeah. So that was a very long answer to a question, but like I said, there's lots of threads. So Mm. oh, for sure. It's um,
0: yeah. I think what I find really interesting as well is you know. You as a breeder have come from a rescue background, which is really unusual. You know, there's not like a lot of breeders that have have started from that world. But but you almost saw, I I guess, you know, the issues within the breed. You know, health, temperament, socialization wise, and you said, well, you know what? If if it's up to me, you know, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I've I've got to make the change. Yeah, I know.
2: What's frustrating is, you know, I'm I'm one person, I'm I'm one breeder, and I'm a small breeder because. I can't. I wouldn't be able to do the things I do and the things I place a lot of priority in if I had a lot of dogs. I just wouldn't be able to do it. And I think um, what happens, you know, yeah, it's just without. Let me just on, correct something. You're a small breeder
1: with a lot of ribbons. <laughs> People don't. Know I to just.
2: Um, I think it, it is unusual, uh, and that there's. Um, sometimes animosity, uh, uh, and it can be quite divisive. This yeah. rescue world versus breeder world. It's like they're separate. Oh,
0: it shouldn't be a competition. Be you know a rivalry.
2: Uh, uh, look, you know, if we if we're all concerned about dog welfare, which we should be, it shouldn't matter which part of the world the dog world we 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 live in or work in or have our dogs from it should matter that we care what happens to the dogs and there shouldn't be the rivalry if if we all were doing the right thing by the dogs we wouldn't need rescue we wouldn't Mm. need Mm. shelters you know the shelters and rescue organizations are there because on some level the breeders have failed and and if that's breed the breeders in inverted commas once again because they're not you know a lot of the the shelters and the rescue you know private rescue organizations are filled with dogs not from they're not from show homes, they're actually from backyard breeders or accidental matings or, or, or you know, other places. Um, not, they're not, they're yeah. not necessarily from, I mean, they have, there are some Same that come city. from mm. breeders, but it's actually a very tiny percentage. And yeah. so,
0: you know, Nathan,
1: we had Jody on not too long ago, Nathan, who has gone the other way, who
0: was a breeder and then set up the rescue base. Absolutely. Um, Because she cared that much about her breed as well.
2: I'm still involved in rescue. Mm -hmm. um, And I would always, I always say, I would always have a place on my couch for a Cavalier and I will. I would always make room for one, whether it's mine or somebody else's, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, I think as breeders, we should care what happens to our breed. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the breeders of dogs who need help aren't there for them. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not. They're not they're not there for their dogs, and or they don't even know where their dogs are. So it's unfortunate that we actually need rescue, but um, at the same time, as I said, you know, we wouldn't need it if people all did the right thing.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the the key beliefs of Right Poor as well is that ultimately, if you can build the best possible beginning at the beginning of the journey, then you know, as you said you know, you're stemming the tide of dogs that are moving into rescue shelters. And that's, you know, a, a great thing. It's sort of, you know, we see it as like a holistic solution. Everyone should be working together. Um, and to your point, you know, around socialization, um, that's probably one of the most important things that you can you know instill at an early age to prevent dogs getting into shelters as well.
2: Uh, absolutely. And social, one of the things that, was always at the forefront of everything I did Uh, in the shelter situation was this endless stream of dogs that came in the doors and some of them were young puppies or whole litters of puppies or adult dogs and they can range from, you know, young dogs right through to very old dogs. One of the things a lot of them had in common was was just their anti-social behaviour and a lot of a lot of the stuff i saw was because the dogs hadn't been soaked and we didn't know their background a lot of them were stray dogs that come in or they're dumped anonymously so you don't know the history but dogs who are really frightened of people really fearful um or dogs that are you know anxious or whatever and i think you know some of those things can be um caused by genetic things of course but A lot of it is socialisation or a lack of socialisation. So when I, you know, when I look at the puppies that I raise and other puppies from breeders who raise them in a similar way, there's this, this, the commonality is just the way they, uh, cope with the world in a better way, you know, and it doesn't matter where they are or what they do. They cope with the world um, yeah. because we do so much early stuff with them in a really crucial part of their life. That carries them through for the rest of their life, yeah. you know. It, it, it's just the foundation stuff that we do as breeders that helps the puppy oh, yeah. and the, the adult dog. And, do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. that just hear, is just something yeah. that it's something we, we give them that,
1: that okay, we so, invest well, a lot of time into so we'll just li- we'll up the um, seriousness of this podcast that now nathan and we're gonna ask the you know my son dion asks a question which is sort of the doorbell question we caught erica and i'm i'm gonna ask yeah. you this it, it's is explain to me cavalier king charles Versus King Charles Spaniel. Difference? What, what is it? Why? Uh, am I right? Is there two different dogs? They are both. Yes, part of
0: two, a, two different yeah, dogs. Yeah,
2: they are. They have the. They have um, some of their ancestors are the same. Now, okay, I'll try and explain. This is going to be a really crude explanation. If King Charles brooders hear me. That's how Down
1: likes it. crude.
2: What, 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 I was for, we actually, I actually had this question on Saturday when I was at a show and I was very fortunate. Dion was there,
1: there was he? Two... Was Dion, Dion at the show? Yeah, my son, he must have been there answering the question.
0: <laughs> to something. ask that question.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> someone on. asked me what the difference was and I, we, there was a, a young dog, a young King Charles there, which is the pet of one of the Cavalier Show breeders. So I was able to show him the difference. Okay. Now, when you see a King Charles, they are very different looking to a Cavalier. But what confuses people, I think, is the names get interchanged. Yes. People call Cavaliers, yes. get called King Charles, Charles and yes, King yes, Charles yes. get called. Everyone calls them Cavaliers, or people call them K- King Charles. When you do a Google, it'll come up with exactly um, what
1: do you think? The yeah, same dog. Doll- They're so, just that's that's doll- getting with me. No, in between each other. No oh. one-
2: it's confusion the the biggest difference from to the to the man man I'm not going to say man on the street to the person on the street the biggest difference is that a king Charles has a flat face like a pug it has a totally flat uh, face okay. wow. they look and so a cavalier has a muzzle a King Charles is a much smaller breed um they actually really they should only really be half the size of a cavalier but there are some Quite big King Charles, um, so size ne- necessarily isn't always obvious. They have a, they do have a different breed standard, and there are some other, um, you know, differences in terms of how they are built. Mm-hmm. Um, the temperament is very different. That's another really okay. obvious one. A King Charles is a lot more aloof um, and very standoffish. Mm. Um, and, and a cavalier is more of a, you know, a happy, friendly, easygoing kind of temperament. So the temperaments are very, very different. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's They're both it's part of the toy group.
1: Yes, they're both part of yeah, the toy group. Yeah, they're both
2: part of the toy group. And yeah, number-wise,
1: um, the King Charles is sort of lower numbers, am I right, in, in the numbers that are out there compared to the cavalier?
2: Uh, yes, the, 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 King Charles is at, the, the King Charles is actually becoming quite a rare breed. There I aren't thought. many, the, there are, there are no breeders in Tasmania of King Charles. I've met three King Charles, um, in the, all the time I've lived here. Mm. Um, and you you just never see them. You just don't yeah. see them on the street. They need to you change their name.
1: The confusion, Not, you know, you know, you Google Well, take it does,
2: it, it, yeah. Well, in, in, in America. They're called the English Toy Spaniel, so they actually have got a yes, different name. I can see that. And yeah, the, but, but, but what, could, what is also confusing is, in theory, they all are Toy Spaniels. <laughs> so that's another confusing part of the name. You know, mm. yes, they are. They're all Toy Spaniels, but you know, they have stuck to the the, the toys, the English Toy Spaniel. You know, mm. if you Google that, you would you would find more pictures and. Well,
0: speaking of which, I've I've just done that exactly and, and, and had a quick Google. And, I mean, you can't believe everything you read on the internet, but according to a very reputable uh, website called Wikipedia, which I'm looking at right now, um, apparently in the, the 19th century, the toy spaniels were crossbred with the pug to reduce the size of the nose, as was the style of the day. So, and, and if you do look at the King Charles Spaniel, it does. You're right, it has that squashed in face. Um, but it was during the 20th century that they tried to restore basically the lines of the king charles spaniel and that sort of saw i guess the the cavalier take off as sort of like a separate breed so yeah it says the cavalier is slightly larger with a flat head and a longer nose while the king charles is smaller with a domed head and a flat face
1: and that's interesting yeah Yeah, nothing like wikipedia and just quickly erica is um is the popularity the same in the uk are they is one yeah look
2: they've yeah, they are a very popular breed, world over they are a popular yeah, are. breed, but, but like, I think what what has happened to the Cavalier, um, as, ha- as has happened with lots of other breeds, with the popularity comes issues. issues and, Correct. you know, it, I the know. issues, I especially hear. health issues, you would know yeah. this, oh. especially health issues, because more for. and more people valve, are trying to trom- test all those things
1: yeah, that you can't really uh, test uh, for. That,
2: that's right. And, and as a breeder, it's incredibly frustrating to try and, you know, breed healthy dogs that aren't, aren't just temperamentally sound there, you know, but also that they are physically healthy um, so that, you know, we have healthy dogs and we're passing on healthy puppies to puppy owners. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and i don't want to blame other people for this because we Go all ahead, need to take responsibility it. for it No.
1: Like, you know
2: them. there are there's a very small percentage of of people like me who are breeding dogs the way i breed them and there are very few purebred show breeders breeding good quality pets yeah. because yeah. most breeds most puppies don't come from breeders or show registered breeders or show breeders they coming from other markets so they're coming from the big puppy farms who can yeah. supply an endless number of puppies um and
1: the word you wanted me to say erica i know is, i know is. oh i know I well know, I know, you know oh,
2: don't
1: get me i know it's
2: frustrating but it is, it's it's it. Look, it's I I oh god. See, I I At I, least I will not get lynched. Lin- King
1: Charles.
2: Seriously, I would, I will get lynched in certain circles for saying what I'm about to say. But I'm going to say it. it. Nathan knows yeah. how I feel about this. It is it is incredibly, um, you know, it, it's it's. I know that I know that people, other breeders, don't like people like me saying this, but. I would rather see a well-raised puppy from a health-testing breeder and I don't care whether they breed, I don't really care what they breed or, or what the breed is or whether they're mixing dogs together. That to me is not the issue. If we come from a welfare perspective and we care about how the puppy lives and how it grows up and whether it's adjusted to live in our world, it actually matters how the puppy was raised more than what that particular wow. dog is. Wow. And, you're going to get lynched. You know. Um, no, I think I, I it's great. No, I, know, I get, no, lynched. We're, I get lynched regularly. But, I'm going to use. You know, that in terms of Cavoodles, I'm not saying I'm I'm not I'm not. um No, you know, I'm not you're saying, saying go out and get a Cavoodle. No. But I th- I think there's other there's other issues when people look at Cavoodles, they see a, a cute puppy, and they That's are right. incredibly cute.
1: They're popular. But, you know, finding finding
2: a breeder who you know who is health testing both breeds not just the cavalier but the poodle or whatever breed is in that breed a good breeder should be testing for all the all the diseases that are prevalent in that in the in all the breeds so here's me with cavaliers and i i you know my my it's a full time job keeping on top of um the health testing and 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 all the mm-hmm. things that we do for them but to have to do that for other breeds that are mixed in, I, I think that's, that's, I mean, it's expensive, it's time consuming and there's more things to worry about and therefore there's more things to go wrong. I, yeah. I think, I, you know, if I have a conversation with somebody about it, I say, look, why are you looking at that um, in terms of what qualities are you looking for in a dog? Because both dogs have totally different temperaments. Uh, they were bred for completely different things. So what what are people actually looking for? And the hypoallergenic thing comes up most often than not. And it, it's a matter of, okay, well, if you're actually looking for a dog that doesn't shed, the Cavoodle is probably not the right dog, because if it takes after the cavalier parent, it's going to end up being hairy and it's going to shed hair everywhere. everywhere. Get Everywhere it you doesn't. Get they don't dogs. necessarily take after the poodle. Mm-hmm. Some of them take after the hair of the cavalier. So, you, you know, people are better off to look for a dog that that's from. They're going to get a definite dog that has you know a kind of that kind of woolly rather than hairy coat. And there are purebred dogs that have those coats. So, I mean, that's yeah. a whole nother, I mean, That's a whole I mean, nother thread. Yeah.
0: I mean it goes back to George's point as well like you know at the end of the day it's it's a pet you know and you know that's what that's what you're breeding for and you know you need to find the right pet for you but as you said Erica I think you know it it's definitely speaks you know speaks to me this idea of well you know as long as you're testing in the right way you're socializing in the right way you know it's that's so much more important you know that the way the puppy is raised because as you said you know the, the welfare is going to to really be the thing that you know that's what you get at the end of the day you get a puppy you get a dog and that's what lives with you that's
2: right. um that's and, right and, and I, just and when I will get this thought in as well is that when a breeder um Turns out puppies um and has puppies available all the time and they live in huge sheds in big paddocks and they're talking about thousands and thousands of dogs and that's a money-making enterprise this is where welfare slides down you
0: can't socialize them. the
2: more you, you well how can you unless you're paying someone to do it and look i have come across a couple of the large sort of um, puppy I don't know look they're really? puppy farms e- Erica, they are farming can you, puppies
1: can you put them onto me I need them as a customer did you say thousands and thousands <laughs> of I to, um,
2: but, hey, you know, if they're, they're my, pain they're
1: pain my sort of customer Nathan I know they're people
2: if thousands. they're paying people you know, I'm, I'm or they have, have
0: to staff
2: to do no those idea. things no issue but they don't they often don't you know look there are there are and I think that um the more dogs you have, the more puppies you're breeding. The less time you have to put into those puppies, oh, and absolutely.
1: so it's becoming and, and
2: socialisation is always the first thing to go. Because I think that's thousands the thing and that, thousands of dogs that,
1: is, is a bit too much. It is becoming more regulated now. You can't really breed that absolutely. sort of facility well, anyway. I, I mean, as yeah, much as I, I, I mean, love a customer like that, it doesn't really happen. Look, talking about customers, and I'm gonna this is my quiz, and I'm gonna, my question I'm going to ask you is going to actually be part of my competition time, Nathan. You know the, the free, of course, full breed profile. Currently, I've only had two people email me on time for the competition. We've had two winners in the in the current show. So what happens is, Eric, I'm going to ask you a question, and the question I'm going to ask you is going to be the answer. So I need people to email me the um, the answer that Eric is on the 20th of December. Great Christmas present, Nathan.
0: Yeah, Great absolutely. Full, full breed full, profile, full just breed in profile. time for Christmas.
1: That's right. Email me between. and 10.45, because I'm... Melbourne time, Melbourne time. Make sure Melbourne time, 10.40. With this answer, Erica, I need you to tell me the four colours that the Cavalier King Charles comes in, please. And I don't want you to include Merle.
2: (laughs) Oh, no, okay. give me the four colours and make it the clear four for breed these breed co- standard colours. For less
1: breed standard, thank you.
2: The four breed standard colours are the Blenheim, which is a tan and white. Lovely. Beautiful colour. Tri-Colour, which is black and white with tan markings. Nice. The Ruby, which is a solid red colour. And Black and Tan, which is wow. my favourite. Right. Is that your favourite, so the Black and Tan? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, lovely it's colours, all amazing. beautiful, and you can genetically mm-hmm. with your K locus and your A locus, and we're doing pine now. So let's remember it was the Blenheim, which is sort of the chestnut and t- chestnut or tan, is that right? Yep. Just a yep. Tan
0: Black and, and
1: tan, which is Erica's favourite, and I think the Blenheim got it all out of Nathan as well. The tri colour, which is probably not yes. is it the which is the, which is the most, and then the the ruby and white, of course. The ruby,
2: is. the most the most popular color is the Blenheim okay.
0: I have a sauce but that's what I think of when I think of a Cavalier is you think of that tan and white you know that's yeah. beautiful and I,
2: I I have the most the one that is the least favorite <laughs> black and tan is the least favorite Ooh, okay. uh, and, and so someone yes. has to put them out there and that that person is oh, I'm one of those people that puts them out there because I just adore them
0: that's and it. uh black and tan from Blacklash.
1: I need to work That's out how right. you get how, how black and tan differs from a tricolor when the A locus and the K locus seem to be the same. Interesting. I need to look at that. So, You've got me thinking. Yeah, and the, so the black and in, tan in, is, go on. In, in,
2: in cavaliers. So the Blenheim and the Tricolor are, are called party colours. Okay. And the, the ruby the and the black and tan are called whole colors. So even though the black and tan is two colors, colours, they're still regarded as a whole color. So your tri um, colors is so...
1: actually a bit of white onto two colors, not not a tri color, like you'd have a tri in a... Um... Uh,
2: yeah, look, the, the tan is there. The tan is in is the places okay. where it is on the on the black and tan. So it's, yeah, it's it, when you look at a tri color, they look like a black and white dog, but they actually have tan in there as well. So they do have the three colors, but the tan is probably not as obvious, I guess.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Well, there you go. There's the there question. There's our four. Four. Oh, there's that's the four. Oh, brilliant. Well, so Erica, look, let, let's get down to the topic of the podcast as well, which is socialization. And I think we've spoken already about why it's so important, right? You know, I, I love what you said about preparing the dogs for the world so they can cope with the world. And that's like a, a lovely thing. And, and for you as a breeder, when does that socialization journey start? What does, you know, what does that look like at the beginning and, and what do your first sort of, you know, eight weeks, you know, taking, taking us through that, I would love to hear how you prepare the dogs, you know, in the best possible way. It's a big question.
2: Yeah. It's a massive question. You might have to
0: break it down. Maybe.
2: Yeah. Break it down because there's, I have lots of thoughts in my brain. Okay. Okay.
0: Let's go. Hit hit us uh, where are all is.
2: With what I do, uh, it actually starts before the puppies are born. So uh, it 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 starts when we look after the mother. Um, and uh, there's been some research done on, and I learned this through the puppy culture program, something we do with all our uh, with all our mums. There's research to show that dogs, puppies, or it's other animals as well, but if we talk about puppies, puppies are more sociable and friendly if the mother is handled more while she's pregnant. So physical touching, stroking, stroking and touching the mother while she's pregnant produces friendlier puppies, which is mind-blowing. Really? mind-blowing that's amazing that's okay? not that and it's not that we don't do it normally because we do spend a lot of time with our dogs um and we do touch them and stroke them but what we do with the mums is you know they they're happy to lie down they have their bellies stroked and all that mm. sort of thing we actually make a conscious effort to do that and the puppies i mean it's incredible that that, that we can actually affect how you know the friendliness of them just by that touch and i think that. Um, this is something that Interesting. dogs definitely miss out on. If there's not a human there to do that and they're left to their own devices or they're in a facility where they're not getting a lot of handling, they're already on the back foot before they're born.
1: So it's puppies obviously stroking the mother releases some hormonal yeah, chemical reaction into there. Which yeah, is absolutely. The calming which which affects
2: the puppies. It affects how they, how they are. It affects their behavior. Which and, is incredible. Oh, so we, we, we do I, I that. Know,
1: you're, 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 just uh, I just want to get where do you, where's this data supported from? I'm just keen to know. Is that just something? Where's you're, the, the the data? How does it support? Where have you got some of this from? Is this just your own? I could.
2: Experience? I could. No, it's actually come from. I follow a program called the Puppy Culture Program. Okay. And okay. the the information is in there. So that the puppy Puppy Culture is actually a film. Uh, goes for about five hours, um, and it was written for breeders, uh, and it's an early socialisation program. So it teaches breeders how to raise social puppies, um, and it's a it's a specific program with particular protocols that you follow at particular stages of their development. So it's a structured program that we follow. So um, the, there's the film and there's also a workbook with all nice. sorts of check sheets and lists and things that basically say, this is, you've got your mum, she's waiting to have her puppies, this is what you need to do now. And it actually tells you what to do and when to do it. It's really easy, even for a first time breeder. You can use your checklists and your and your you know task lists without knowing anything about dog socialization the book the workbook and the film actually guide the breeder through the steps so it's really easy and it's a lot of fun as well it's uh you know so hmm. we follow we follow the puppy culture program so and i
1: know like I said, nathan will put a link or something about the pipe yeah absolutely,
0: really cool. absolutely yeah. Uh, a lot of our breeders on Right Paw follow puppy culture, and you know, it's. I think it's a great thing.
2: And and it, it's interesting that Right Paw is attracting breeders who follow that program. There's definitely a network of breeders who uh, they're attracted. I mean, like attracts like, and there's definitely uh, a, a group of breeders who follow puppy culture and others who you know have that where that where they understand the priority um the, the so, of socializing a puppy and how important it is for the rest of the puppy's life um is, that and you know, is, it,
1: as, is it just why are they what is it have you got to be promoted and why is it you're attracting them
0: what is anything well, you can i i think it's because you because know
2: great i can tell you why I, I erica can tell please you, I, I can tell you why it's because you are there, you exist because you want to promote responsible breeders. And part of being a responsible breeder is making sure the puppies are properly socialized. And it's just as important as getting puppies vaccinated, worming them and doing all those husbandry things. Socializing puppies is also part of the breeder's job. And the reason I say that is because socialization of puppies starts a lot earlier and finishes a lot sooner than a lot of people realize. So a lot of socialization seems to fall heavily on the new puppy owners where Mm. they go to puppy school and they're told, oh, you've got to socialize your puppy. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. But science tells us that puppies start their socialization period when they're three weeks old.
0: It's so critical. I mean, that's why on all of our right poor profiles, we actually have a section on behaviour and socialisation and, and the breeders talk about what do they do in those areas, you know, those first eight weeks because you're right, you know. Uh...
2: So it's three. it starts at three weeks and it finishes around the 12-week mark. It mm-hmm. doesn't finish at five or six or eight or 12 months. It actually finishes around 12 weeks, so three months. So. If you're getting a puppy at eight weeks, you've got four weeks, and then after four weeks, the puppies aren't so amenable to new things, and they start becoming afraid of things or being cautious about things. And that's normal puppy behaviour, but it's not what we want to see in a in a in a pet, really, because If we haven't prepared them earlier for all the weird and wonderful things that we live with in our world, all the sounds, the sights, um, all the things that, you know, we we take for granted, um, then once again, the puppies are on the back foot. If you've only Mm. got four weeks to socialise your puppy, it's not a lot of time. Mm. If the breeder has started that process at the time when the puppy's brain was ripe, to receive all the the sounds and the sights and the information that it needs to build up this little like a bank if you like of information and pictures and sounds then they've got more to fall back on and once again it's a foundation for other things so you know puppies uh, my puppies we introduce sounds we introduce lots of different looking things, textures, yeah. surfaces, Smells. and yeah. we yeah. Yeah. smell everything. We we start doing that in the when the puppies are still in the whelping box. Um, we don't wait till they're walking or whatever. We do it when they're still little jelly beans in the whelping box, because that's when their socialization period is beginning and when they can hear and when they can see, that's when we start showing them things. We actually bring things into the whelping box um, and one of the things that, that puppy culture has also taught us is that socialization is not about lots and lots of the same thing it's about presenting lots of different things so one of the structured things that we do in the program is we introduce at least one new thing to the puppies every day so every single day they're with us one at least one novel thing they get to see or hear or touch
0: And what would those look like? Or what would they be?
2: Oh, well, let's see. Um, so for example, uh, we might, when the puppies are, uh, going from crawling to getting up on their feet, we start to introduce different textures. So they've got their vet bed in the whelping box. So they've got a nice cozy, warm, soft place to sleep and that's got a heat pad under it. So it's warm as well. But we also start to introduce things like different textures. So we might bring in, one day we might bring in, say, a rubber mat. Oh,
1: yeah. Or an iPad. One day we <laughs> might... Or an iPhone. An iPad, and that's with, right. You know. We'll just
2: bring in, we'll bring in something that's different. So it might be textured surface, or it might be, you know, something that's, uh, you know, once they're reliably walking, we might bring in something like, um, say a tarp, which is, looks different and it might be a bit slippery, or it might be crinkly. We use a lot of cat toys because cavalier puppies are quite tiny. So, Mm. you know, crinkly kind of, um, crinkly kind of fabrics are good Mm. or different textures, um, Instagram account.
1: social media account I mean
0: the one that i always hear as well is um i mean the the classic one is the vacuum cleaner you know the vacuum cleaner the dishwasher you know all of these things that you know we we had a little puppy recently that just you know clearly wasn't as comfortable with the the vacuum cleaner and it just barked and barked and barked eventually it's gotten used to it but yeah, you know, it's those you know those things along the way as well I think that's
1: my dog hates motorbikes those harleys that are loud you know can you introduce them to one of those Go get yourself a harley yeah just absolutely it up. noise like that that's trams it. you know noises like that startle them too so interesting well, what,
2: um the the noise the noise thing is interesting because when puppies are developing there's actually once again a specific period of, of their brain development where they're where they respond to sound. So um, one of the things we do with puppies is um, we can't obviously introduce them to everything in the whole universe, but what we do is we do a lot of sound stuff. So loud noises, sudden noises um, and strange noises. And even if we don't have them in the house, so if we've got vacuum cleaners and we've got stab blenders and hair dryers and those kind of noises, we also use sound apps and things uh, and recordings of things so that if we can't replicate something at home, we will use it, we'll use a recording of it. Um, And so once again you're building up that bank of experiences in the puppy's brain so when they do go out into the big wild world they actually even if they haven't heard a loud sound before of a particular thing they've Mm -hmm. heard lots and lots of different other loud sounds they tend not to worry too much they they seem to um you know they they'll they'll, they'll, they won't worry about it they'll accept it yeah, they, that's right. They do accept new things more readily. Absolutely, yeah.
1: I, I can't sort of finish off. I'm going to, we've still got a bit more to go, but I always like to ask, give me some famous owners of this stock breed, you know? We, there must be, if we had to...
2: Famous owners. Ah, you know, uh, kind of like, let's see.
1: Ronald Reagan, I Well, of Google. Well, the, Ra-
2: the most important... The most important one is the namesake, is King Charles. Of course. This is where the name has come from. So King Charles, uh, I mean, this is well before the breed standard was developed, Mm. but, you know, King Charles was renowned for having these little spaniels running around in his palace and um, he went everywhere with them. And and there were always these masses of these little dogs, little spaniels that, that, that lived you know, lived, lived with lived him at the luck of the king. Where... Yeah, Another yeah. surprising so, one uh, that
1: I, but... I googled too forget King Charles, this guy's even Sylvester Stallone.
2: Oh, really? Yeah, who would have thought? I didn't know that. Rocky
1: Balboa. I know. Well, you know. Yeah. It's
2: uh, Ronald Frank Reagan, S- apparently, I, I've seen photographs of him yeah. in the cab, Frank Sinatra. Oh, Frank Sonatra. Oh wow.
1: Oh, no, I just, had this question. We, oh, <laughs> well, I'm just putting, no, like, and then just to make sure we keep it a little and, and get to sort of Nathan's generate Courtney Cox. Just so we can balance it
0: with I think my Courtney Cox is uh, a fair bit older than me. <laughs> You're lump lumping me in with a much older generation, George.
1: <laughs> anyway, famous kings. <laughs> <laughs>
2: famous cavaliers. Uh,
0: but, uh, no, I think, um, yeah, I mean, oh, gosh, who wouldn't want a Cavalier at the end of the day? You know,
1: do, do their ears need a lot of cleaning? Because, you know, they've got those real drop-down ears, Erica. They do you know... have
2: very big, very big long ears. So uh, we we use things called snoods when we feed our dogs. So when they're eating, so they don't chew their ears and get their ears dirty or you know, chew the feathering off. We actually put, uh, I haven't got one on me, but they actually, it's like a uh, a, a gathered cloth, piece of cloth, elasticated, that you put over there, basically over their head, like a giant scrunchie, and it holds their ears in place. So that's oh, how we keep okay. their ears clean, yeah. Um, but in terms of um, keeping them clean, um, they are prone to ear infections, right. Cavaliers, yeah. any drop-eared breed. Drop ear, so yeah. we, part of our, you know, maintenance of of, you know besides brushing and combing and bathing and all that we do uh, weekly ear checks make sure that their ears are nice and clean um and make sure they're free of wax and all that sort of thing so that's something that we do you know something that's really important to make sure that puppy owners understand that they do need to check those things and if they you know are smelling um you know not not smelling too good or there there's any inflammation or anything, and they have some sort of ear infection, they need to get it seen to. They need to go to the vet. Um, but there are d- drops and things you can put in and various ear cleaners that you can put in at home just to make sure they stay nice and clean. Um, but that's definitely something that does need to be looked at for, for all any long eared breed. All the spaniels, of course, have long ears, but there are other breeds as well. It's certainly something that people need to yeah, look after.
0: So, Erica, I think something that you touched on, which was really interesting, was that important socialization period, you know, three weeks to 12 weeks, you know, it's not a long window. And, you know, most puppy owners are realistically getting their pup at eight weeks. So, you know, to, to, all, of those, to all of those new owners that are getting their puppy at that time, you know, what, what would you be recommending that they do? What are some of the common, I guess, socialization points that they should be considering in that really critical period?
2: One of the things that is probably the most important, and this is, it, this can get people very excited as well, the socialisation period runs parallel to the same period of time where puppies aren't fully vaccinated. Mm. So there's actually always a debate about. Uh, that's a constant challenge. Vaccination. It is honestly really hard. It can be so challenging talking to vets about this because they look at stuff from a completely, just from that medical perspective where your puppy is not fully vaccinated, you must keep it at home until it's four or five months old. And seriously, You are doing the dog, the puppy, a great okay. disservice if you're keeping mm-hmm. it at home, because, as I said before, you don't you don't get this time back. So what we teach our puppy families is we prepare them for the conversation they have with the vet. If the vet is not on board with with current, um, you know, current thinking about puppy development and socialization um and there's lots of there's research lots of research out there about puppy socialization um if they're only going to come at it from a medical perspective really it's not helpful for the puppy because if you keep a puppy at home until they're 16 weeks old or 17 whatever um, until they've had all their vaccinations then the window for socialization has completely closed so by the time you take the puppy out into the big wide world you've often got a fearful puppy who's scared of lots of things, scared of people, scared of other dogs, scared of loud noises, scared of bridges, scared of your flags waving in the wind, all sorts of stuff. And so that can then affect people's enjoyment of taking their puppy out. And if, if your puppy isn't um, prepared for the world and isn't doesn't like being out in the big wide world, then puppies like that get left at home. And then they have a less interesting life. So it has another knock-on effect. So what we teach people to do is, yes, you've got to obviously be aware that they are not fully vaccinated, but there are safe ways to to still socialize your puppy and also protect it. So we say to people, don't take your puppy to the dog park, just don't go there. And the reason we say that is because dog park, as soon as you take a puppy to a dog park, You're suddenly in a huge, big space of unknown dogs. You don't know their vaccination status. You don't know whether they like puppies or don't like puppies. You have no idea about their history or about what their dog, you don't know whether it's a safe dog. We want puppies to learn good behavior from safe dogs, safe adult dogs. So when you walk into a dog park, you have no idea. Mm. And typically I used to go to dog parks Until I started having bad experiences and I actually consciously don't go to dog parks anymore because typically what happens in a dog park is there's a whole lot of unsocialized dogs all together in the park with a whole lot of people chatting on their phone, sitting on their phone, talking to someone else or or talking to each other in a big circle while the dogs run amok.
1: So don't get me started on awful no dog, dog park. parks, and don't get me started it's, it's on extendable a, leads.
2: Don't, it's just, it, it's seeds. honestly, it's a, it's a nightmare. And not so, yet. what what we do is, we you can, uh, one of the biggest diseases, the big killer of puppies who are not vaccinated, is parvo. A lot of people have heard of parvo. Mm. Parvo lives on the ground, so. What you need to do is it, you can carry your puppy. You can put your puppy in a little bag or a rucksack. You mm. can push it in a pram. You can put
0: it. I've heard of people taking their, their dogs to Bunnings, putting them in the trolley and going around Bunnings.
2: In trolley, absolutely. Yep. So there are ways you can still socialize your puppy without. And so there are high-risk areas, and I would consider a dog park a high-risk area. A low-risk area for a puppy would be a place like, I take puppies, I start taking them out when they're six weeks old, so once they've had their first vaccination, I actually have a dog pram. The whole litter goes in the pram and I wheel them around town and we go around, we go, we we whiz around past shops, we go through, you know, across the pedestrian crossings, we look at rivers and buildings and flags and shop signs and we see lots of people and cars and All the things that we see and hear in our daily life, that's what we start exposing them to. Mm. So, when I walk my adult dogs down the street, even if it's a street they've never been to before, they know about weird sounds and they know about people and they know about wheelchairs and they know about, you know, all sorts of other things that we, you know, we do take for granted because they've had all that, you know, exposure early on. Um, So socializing them safely is what we teach people. Um, and it's because that window, the socialization window is so small, it's so short, and we need to make the most of it. And we don't stop at 12 weeks, That the, the line, there's not a sharp line. Some, you know, we, we encourage people to continue socializing their puppy right through, you know, don't stop taking your puppy out, keep doing it, take Take them out as often as you can, get them to meet lots of different kinds of people. Introduce them to safe dogs. So, introducing a puppy to a safe dog means you need to know the dog. And so, friends' dogs or dogs um, who genuinely like puppies, so that your puppy will have a good experience. Um, introduce them to children, introduce them to old people, introduce them to people with, you know, people in wheelchairs or whatever. And look, it's not hard if you've got a puppy and you're holding it, and especially if it's a Cavalier puppy, if you're holding a puppy in your arms and you walk down the street, honestly, it is a magnet for people. You don't have to look. You can stand in one spot. <laughs> and they will flock Scott to you. Stand. I have seen my partner. I've got. I've. I've had a, like errands to do, and I've said, just stay here with the puppies. And he's outside Woolies, where the sliding doors are, and there's a crowd of people around him. And it's like, yahoo, you know, because the puppies met like, I don't know how many people today, too many people to count, but they need to be meeting people and really? people, everyone loves a puppy. So people will come up and touch the puppy and say hello and all that. And they'll be hearing stuff and seeing stuff. And all of that is going into their yeah. brain and
1: everyone galvanising them,
2: you know, for their future. There's nothing like it. It's seriously a puppy in it, or does, a litter of puppy. You know. Does anyone ever
1: walk it's, up it's, to your pram and go, well, can I look at you? Can they look at it? they go, it's a cavalier. What's going on there? <laughs> it's like, you
2: know,
1: puppies in <laughs> prams. Really, Erica, You really, have you ever made them, like, they haven't put you on the news or was that lunatic woman that puts her cavaliers in the pram and walks them up and down the I, street? Uh, no?
2: They, they... <laughs> that that some people do that so i've had a little bit of negative stuff about the pram but i know why the puppies are in there they're in there so i can keep them safe and try and take six puppies out at the same time when they're all squiggling and wiggling everywhere and it's like a can of worms it's it can be an interesting experience <laughs> yeah, sure. you put, you know, you put them somewhere and they all running in different directions. So, you know, the pram is good, but I mean, for people who don't have a pram, a, a little carry crate does the job. You okay. can carry, you yeah. can go to a cafe, you can put the puppy in the crate at the cafe. The puppy's not not touching the ground, but it still gets to see everything, hear everything. Mm. So, you, you know, or you can carry it, you can put it on your knee, all of those things. Mm. It's um. Yeah. It's to me, it's a no brainer, but look, it's, it's, it's work. It's all work, but it's fun work.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we always say to all of our guests, you know, at the end of each episode, you know, if you had that one message to, you know, put in a billboard and shout it out to all owners and all breeders, you know, what would it be? And, you know, it sounds a little bit like it's this idea of socializing safely. You know, don't miss out on that period and, and but do it safely.
2: Socialize your puppy. Socialise your puppy. That is they're the three words that I would say. And there's the billboard and, and
0: that's it. There's
2: mm. the billboard. Oh, Socialize Erica, your puppy. You, because is, the socialisation is
1: heaps of words. I like it. It's very simple, Nathan. Socialize it's
2: simple. Your puppy. And, and 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 breeders should then be talking to their puppy families about how to do it safely and also how to have a sensible uh, conversation with your vet. Because if the vet is telling you not to do it and you know from your breeder that it's important to do it, I'm not saying ignore your vet, but you need to think about the risks and be able to say to the vet, I'm, I'm respectful of that. I know, I understand that he's not the puppy's not fully um, vaccinated, but we're doing it safely and this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, a checklist is a good idea to go in the puppy pack of yeah. some ideas about how to do that safely, how to, you know, I mean, if you've got a big breed, you can't necessarily carry the puppy. So how can you, you know, are there safe places you can go? Where are they? What, you know, and, and some ideas. There are lots of great... Mm-hmm socialization resources. We actually do provide our puppy, puppy families with those when they get their puppy, but there's a fantastic, um, program, um, and they have a, um, a a thing called a puppy passport, which we actually include in our puppy pack. And it's like a little blue passport and it actually prompts people about where to take their puppy. So it's, it's, and you can put it in your pocket or put it in your handbag, and it's just kind of a a nice little reminder about, um, How to socialize your puppy, and there's some little tips in there about what to do if your puppy's worried, or you know, is your puppy happy about this, or is it worried, or whatever. And so, you know, what you need to work on in the coming days or coming weeks that's a fantastic resource and Mm. something that we would recommend. But you know, there's all sorts of checklists and and bits and pieces that you can find online to help. But, Mm. um, you know, really, everyone is different, every family is different. Um, it's really what sort of, um, what sort of things do you want your puppy to be involved in or be included in as an adult dog that will give you an idea, I mean, because if you want to be able to sit at a cafe with your dog then you need to socialize your puppy to that situation mm. you need to be taking the puppy to cafes and not just one cafe but lots of different kinds of cafes um, so that it gets used to being around different people and 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 you know people walking past and other dogs sitting in close proximity you know there's other things that the that, that, that might well some dogs don't like the cafe life it, it, you know if you're playing <laughs> if you've got kids How could you know, they not absolutely how it right. says, you know um we take puppies just part of our socialization is we go to sporting matches now mm. i don't have kids and i don't play sport but a lot of other people do so we actually with the pram we take the puppies out to the local netball or cricket or something and we sit and watch and listen to the ball Now that's dedication mm. or, you know i mean that's but that's Something that, and that's safe. It's totally safe. I mean, they're, they're actually the puppies are learning by watching and listening. They don't have to be touched. They can, they can watch. They can watch. You don't have to do it for very long. You can do it for five or ten minutes and and wander off somewhere else. But the, you know, there's there's lots of little things like that. So, to me, the message to puppy families would be you know think about what you want to do with your dog later and and include those things in the socialization while the puppy is young so that they get used to that um so
0: yeah (laughs) well i think yeah socialize your puppies that is a a fantastic takeaway and
1: you know
0: one, one other thing, of course, Erica, that we always do at the end of, of our podcast is we give uh, you the chance to pick a number in George's genetic Bible and we do a bit of an education uh, on, um, on different diseases. So George has a, a book of genetic diseases from 1 to 200 and you get to pick a number between, between there. I think it's actually 1 to 170 actually. Um, and we talk a little bit about the, uh, about the DNA test that you picked.
1: So really, Eric, it's the educational okay. part of the show. Everyone really waits to hear okay. and learn about a disease. But I'm still trying to get my head this image I'm seeing of of Sylvester Stallone with a Cavalier and a pram <laughs> is after Eric, you know, yeah, that's a scary, a
0: scary thought. Scary thought. So look. maybe maybe he named it Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> 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 okay, anyway, I'm going to go. I'm
2: going to go with number eleven. Because that's my birthday date, oh. and so we'll see what eleven is.
0: Yes. And Erica did have her birthday recently, so happy birthday, Erica!
2: I did. Uh, it's a remembrance day, so eleven. Eleventh 11 11, to the eleventh. Wow. Okay. Yep.
1: Interesting. Well, you should never forget that. So
2: we'll go with eleven.
1: Look, you've chosen probably the most controversial disease. Oh God! No, money It's not. It's not <laughs> mitral valve disease, or so. No, it's cardiomyopathy. Oh, I can't. Okay. Currently affects a number of breeds. Um, yep. There is controversially some genetic tests that we'll keep away from now because really it's the amount of dogs that test positive based on the genetic te- test is enormous. So there's a whole yep. complex number of genes that are involved, but it's a common yep. it's a common disease in the dog. Certain breeds show distinct disposition to development of the um. Disease here, it results in heart muscle becoming dilated and thin, such that it, yep. it's unable to act as an efficient pump. In addition, due to the amount of stretching of the heart wall, severe severe arrhythmia, a regular heartbeat occurs commonly. Some dogs can die suddenly, and that's that I've heard of that as well in some, some breeds. Others show weaknesses such as general lethargy and synscope. Fainting and panting at rest. Great news too, um, Nathan. It wasn't one of those tongue-twisted diseases that I usually end <laughs> up you know watching really up. So
0: we put you put you on the spot. No, this is uh, rolls off the tongue.
1: The ages of three to six, um, heart failure, and arrhythmia. There is no cure for it. Some medication you can take. Um, it's and you know you can screen from screen for it with a veterinarian using a five-minute ECG from the year two years of age. And the two breeds that we have the test for is the Boxer and the Doberman, but it does affect a number of other, other breeds. And let me just quickly look and see if the Cavalier is there. No, well done. The Cocker Spaniels are there, the Poodles, the Golden Retriever.
0: So, Although Hearts is important to test, though, for the, the Cavalier.
1: Visit yeah, absolutely. your veterinarian because they've got that, um, have, oh, they've got the mitral valve disease, of course.
0: You've chosen a fairly
1: interesting one and one that we continue to um, have questions about when it comes to a genetic test.
0: I've learned so much about just how important, you know, the, I mean, at the end of the day, we are all getting pets and, and, you know, pets are are what we live with and socialization is just, you know, I think that takeaway, just as important as health, you know, you need to be able to be healthy and well-adjusted pup that's going into into you know those family homes so well, we, we i
1: need to buy i need to go and buy a pram yes
0: yeah, you, you do
1: pram is what i need absolutely
2: i, I special... need you
1: when you get a chance erica and you're out there can you please take a photo of you in the pram with the, and send it oh, to and photo. Us. yes there are
2: photos because... we have photos now it's been I'll
1: interesting you're, you're very very knowledgeable in all that socialization area of puppies and we all know it's an important part of you know every pet i am now going to stroke um my Well, should i stroke my kids not yet i should probably stroke them more and pat them <laughs> so they end up but it's interesting what you're actually saying is the same thing that we do try and do with humans socialization expose them to more it's important you know if you can't it's no use having you know a phd in engineering if you've got the social skills of a crayfish so you need you really actually gosh, crayfish are very are they social? So, I don't know. You know, no, so you need to. Um, it's important to socialise at an early age, as young as you can, because that's where they're learning. So they're very very interesting. And basically,
0: mm.
1: important stuff you've mentioned there. And We're going to put lots of links on the on the podcast too.
0: Absolutely. And we'll link to uh to Erica's Black Lash Facebook page as well, where she actually posts some fantastic videos, you know, about stop stop Black
1: Lash. What's Black that? Lash.
0: That's her that's her kennel name. Yes.
2: Oh, God, I thought that's it my was...
0: kennel name. Sorry,
1: it sounded very, you know, Madam Black Lash, if you know what I mean. But that's fine. Black well, Lash is Well you your know
2: kennel... my kennel name uh, my kennel name actually came from my my first girl, my foundation girl, her um pedigree name is Nina Simone, she's named oh, after the, the famous oh, jazz singer, yeah,
0: feeling good. and Funny. when I was looking
2: for a kennel, I wanted something that would tie in with her, and we were actually out one day looking at a music stall at a market, and we found a CD, and while I was looking through the songs on the CD, and there was a song called Backlash Blues, so I just added an L, and that was my, that became my prefix. I actually had my first four, the first four prefixes I applied for were knocked back. And I got a letter from the TCA saying, you can't have any of these because they sound too similar to someone else's and that's fine. Please don't pick a colour because that's also, that'll probably get knocked back. And when I found this name, I just went uh i don't really care what they say i'm gonna apply for this because it's so good it's so good and so it kind of has a it has a meaning, and it, it has a it connects it back to my first girl, and so we keep the Nina Simone is kind of through all all the dogs we breed is Nina Simone is is right there with the um with the song yeah so you know that's something that um yeah something that that's that's how my, that's how the name came about. But um,
1: the most interesting part of the podcast is right at the end.
0: Right at the end, I, exactly, exactly. And for those for those of our listeners who stayed around right to the very end, then they'll get they'll get that gem. That, that... They
1: Usually, listen to George's disease bit and then switch off, Erica. But now you've oh, added this Oh
0: no! Like... I hope I hope they listen to the end. No, we'll
1: make right. sure we can. But uh, lovely to have you on. Been good. Yeah, it was. It, that's it,
0: good. It, it was brilliant, and uh, yeah, thanks to all of our listeners as well. We'll post uh, links in the show notes to Puppy Culture and some other resources around socialization. And uh, you know, Erica, thanks again. We'll uh, we'll see you see you soon.
2: Thanks for having me on.